Welcome to episode six of the Victors, a Michigan sports podcast. We are affiliated with Between the Whistles Detroit, a JC Sports Network exclusive. I'm your host, Chad Mzegan, joined by my co-host, Jordan Dean. Man, you were there Saturday. How was the atmosphere? Honestly, it was so cool to see. We had 109,000, I think, in attendance, so it was, it was pretty full. It was hot as crap, though. Was it hot? Dude, yeah. it was so warm. We were directly in the sun the whole game, but... It was it was just good to be back in their student section was great. The band was just you know as you know Michigan Stadium always has a great atmosphere so it was a lot of fun to see our boys back in action. Yeah, dude, I, you know, hearing the band for the first time and the fight song and the you know players run out on the field, it's it's always fun. So I'm looking forward, you know, it got me even more pumped for the season. I know the game itself was uh Nothing crazy in terms of it was what we expected a Michigan blowout win. Um, but yeah, let's get into it a little bit. All right, so as we just mentioned, Michigan ran, uh, ran away with this game, blowout fashion, won 51 to 7. Um, I think, you know, it was a little bit of a slower start than maybe some people expected. Uh, it took them a minute to kind of get their feet under them, I guess, especially offensively. Defense, they were pretty much crisp the whole way out. But throw out a, key, a few key stats here that, you know, will be interesting to monitor as we get into the season, how it changes from game to game. Uh, Michigan was 3 for 10 on third down, 30%. Don't know if that's quite what they were looking I'm guessing that was a, probably a substantially lower than they thought they were going to have against a team like Colorado State, one of the, you know, towards the bottom of Division mm-hmm. One schools and performance. But they were 2 for 2 on fourth down in those situations. They had 234 rushing yards as a team, uh, 206 passing yards for a total of 440 yards. Uh, the defense had seven sacks and intercepted one pass um, and had 30 minutes and 30 seconds of possession time. Was there any, before we get into individual players, any of those stats surprise you, anything concern you, anything you're super excited about? You know, what you can take away from a game against a team like Colorado State. Um, yeah, I mean, we did a lot of good things. You know, I thought we ran the ball the way we wanted to, but that's not a surprise against the defense that we saw. Um, uh, the passing game, I'd we didn't see a lot of like downfield shots or anything like that, which you don't need always in the game, but we didn't really stretch the ball vertical in any, any, any type of way. Would you have liked to have seen them at least try yeah, I just, two like, or three times? Yeah, we, we, we ran the ball very well, so the safeties were coming down. I just thought we had some matchups. Like Cornelius Johnson was manned up for, I felt, with no safety help for a long time. I feel like we could have just t- tested the waters. Mm-hmm. Not even nobody, Don't even got to complete the ball. Just let's, let's let them know let's that we're going to throw let it. Let it rip. And yeah, let it rip. And sure that not afraid to do it. I figured we'd be pretty vanilla coming into this game because, you know, that's, you don't want to show a lot of stuff against teams that you don't have to. I did not like the fact that we did not score in the red zone as much as we should have. We Obviously, we took three points, but our efficiency was not fantastic. We got the turnover from your boy Rod Moore. We went, went down in the red zone, didn't score there. Like we 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 settled for three. We just didn't move the ball very. We we moved the ball well into the red zone and just didn't capitalize as much as I thought we should have. So you know, getting back to the running statistics really quick. You know, they ran for two hundred thirty-four yards as a team. That's great. Looking at the stats, you wouldn't really be concerned about it. Were you maybe a little concerned? I'm not even so much concerned that no rusher had 100 yards in the game. That doesn't bother me They were pretty split. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was, you know, I think uh, Coram got 13 carries, Edwards got 12. Yeah, so. Um, they were pretty, I mean, literally, Coram right. had 76 yards, Edwards So combined that they had, like, you know, 130 yeah. or something yards. Mm-hmm. Both average over five yards a carry. Right, so they were efficient. But I think, you know, watching especially the first part of the game, which, as we said, they start out slow, were you a little concerned when, you know, it didn't seem like the offensive line was getting much of a push. You know, those drives were stalling out. You know, we know Harbaugh's going to, you know, Harbaugh's going to run the ball, you know, 
first, second down, sometimes even third down. He might not pass in a particular set of downs. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it felt like they were getting kind of blocked up at the line of scrimmage. Holes weren't really opening up. You know, they tried to bounce out wide and weren't getting much yardage. Eventually, you know, as Michigan tends to do, they start breaking ones as the game went on. But, you know, against a team like Colorado State, I figured there would be a little more success moving the ball, especially early on in the game. I didn't think it would take so long for it to set up. Yeah, I mean, honestly. Nothing I'm worried about. It's, it's just, week one, bro. Like, take that's away. just kind of what I feel like. like. Your kinks are going to be ugly in week one. Like, you may probably miss some blocking assignments. You probably didn't you know, finish blocks that we should have all the way through. I mean, week one as a whole in, in college football was an absolute mess. But Absolutely. Um, but I think, all in all, I, I would give him like a B plus. If I had to put him on a rating scale, you know, they definitely could have played better. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm not going to complain when uh, we had what was the, what was the grand total? 206 yards rushing. 234, yeah. 234, so they did, yeah, yeah so they were efficient. I just thought it was a little slower than they'd like. And in general, the offense started slow. You know, I agree. As you said, they we had, went, I think we, we went three and out for three and out to start the game. Yep. Cade missed a couple throws. Yep. Uh, like you said, there was a couple drops as well mm-hmm. um, throughout the first part of the game. Rod, uh, you know, and the touchdown pass was just a bubble screen yep, taken was, to the yep. house. Um, so then they got the ball in interception, went three and out in the red zone or whatever it was on a pass that was almost intercepted yep. um, on an overthrow by Cade. And then uh, they got in the red zone again, a driver two later and stalled out again. So, you know, again, week one, like you said, not everything's going to be clean. There's always things to clean up, especially after your first game of the season. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see from week one to week two in those areas against a team that's probably worse than the Colorado State. Oh, they are, State. They are worse than Colorado State. Um, I would take Colorado State. I, I hope the, those things look a lot cleaner. Um, but, yeah, so I guess let's get into the offensive performance. What uh, What'd you like? What would you dislike? I know we kind of just mentioned a couple things, but what, what really stood out for you as uh, success, I guess, and what, what do you want to see improved in week two? Um, to me, what, what stuck out pretty well was just the, uh, the, the balance attack between the, the, our, our backs, between Blake Corner and Donovan Edwards. I thought they both hit the hole pretty hard. They both had some good, strong vision. They very rarely went down in first contact, always falling forward, very patient runners. Um, so I, I think that'll continue. Um, we didn't, like I talked about already, like the passing game was very, um, very vanilla. We didn't really take any deep shots. We wanted really three short to intermediate passes, which you don't need to always take your shots, but the, we didn't even connect on some of our short passes. Right. So like to me, like that's definitely going to be a room, got to be a room for improvement. Right. And, you know, Caden McNamara looking at that passing game, nine for 18 for 136 yards. Yep. Not as efficient as you'd like them. I know he Kate's probably, not going to probably should have. I mean, but. he had four drops. So I would say he should have been at least thirteen of eighteen. Some of those were Cade, one hundred percent. Oh yeah, he had a couple but, bad passes that uh, you know one almost ended up in yep. turnover, like we mentioned. But uh, you know, again, catch week, the ball though. Week one yeah. stuff, but you want to see them connecting, especially when the receivers open and gain separation. You know. Whether it's on the receiver quarterback, yeah. you want to see whatever's going on. Speaking of receivers, you, you had it in the, uh, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. when we were talking about Ronnie Bell and some of his concerns. He dropped two passes. He did. And so the, not great. Not great. And then they, and they weren't really tough plays either. They just hit him right in the, and he just didn't follow through. So no, and that's probably the consistency little, stuff we talked yeah, about. I was a little, I was a little disappointed to see Ronnie Bell not come out and have a little stronger game than uh, he should have had. Yeah, and it was kind of weird because. It, it, 
no receiver really individually had a fantastic game. But then you look at the stat sheet and what I think fifteen different players yeah, caught a pass. Yeah, that, that's pretty. That's pretty special. So I mean, that's going to happen when you are rolling in a lot of depth players. Um, even Bowman got in at quarterback, so yep. Michigan ended up playing three quarterbacks in the game. Um. Just due to the nature of the game, it was a blowout, so why not get those guys reps? Um, but, yeah, when you have 15 different players catching the ball, a lot of different mm-hmm. people are rotating in and out, getting playing time. So, you know, when that kind of situation happens, it's going to be hard for one individual player to probably go off. Um, but, yeah, it was a little disappointing to see Ronnie Bell drop those passes. Um, hopefully it improves moving forward. First game, we'll see. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, and who knows how nervous – not it's – not that's an excuse, but who knows how nervous he was first game back. That's off true. Yeah, things yeah. like that. Big kinda, moment, big moment. You know, maybe he's thinking about, okay, how am I going to take this hit once I catch the ball? You know, sort of things like that. You know, knee injuries can get in players' heads. We've seen it before. So hopefully he gets more comfortable as it goes on. I mean, Michigan's got a deep receiver room. So if Ronnie continues to have drops, I'm going to guess his playing time is going to continue to drop. His, you know, will end up dropping as well if uh, he can't prove that he can catch the ball on a consistent basis. So, mm-hmm. you know, one thing we mentioned here was um, Cade McNamara. And we talked a little bit before we started recording the show. You were a little surprised J.J. McCarthy got in. And I was, too, just because we know how the setup is right now. You know, Cade was set to start week one. Uh, J.J.'s set to start Saturday uh, week two against Hawaii. Surprising that JJ came in as a backup in a kind of a blowout situation. And I know it's about getting guys play times and rep, but you know, we know McCarthy was set to get the play time coming up. I thought maybe some of the other guys, Bowman and guys behind him, would get those reps, not McCarthy. No, I, I'm with you. I, I, I was, I guess I was at the game and I turned to my wife who was with me. I said, I'm, I'm really shocked he's on the field because we knew what he was going to get in week two. But I guess more tape, the better. You know, you. Did, he did some. He did a few things. You know, he, he had some. He had some great runs. You know, three for fifty on the ground, had a touchdown. Um, you know, but we'll have more of an idea of what we're getting this upcoming week. But I did just find it because it wasn't like he played third quarter. Like NK right. was still playing too. Like right. it was. A, it almost kind of felt like last year. Like right. he, there was a time in the game where JJ literally came in for a play, ran his own read, mm-hmm. came out the game, came back, came, came right back in. So it's just like. Was, I was like, what are we doing? So it was. I, I figured with, you know, trying to figure out who the starter was, I figured one would play. That's, one, what, I, that's what I was saying. Kind of, yeah. I don't know. I feel like, you know, McCarthy's time is this upcoming week, but maybe maybe he wasn't happy with what he saw, you know, under all the Cade stuff, and he wanted to start getting McCarthy in to see how the offense kind of moved under him just because, like like we said, and I texted you even on Saturday, I said, I don't think Kate. Cade had the start he imagined he would, yep. and you know it was a little rough. Again, not all of it was on Cade. No, but and I the mean, quarterback, whether people like it or not, usually gets the blame for how the offense moves. You mm-hmm. know, so and at the end of the day, I mean, I don't think Cade had a bad performance. I don't think he moved the needle a ton of saying he's the guy, um, but he did what he did what Cade does. He managed the ball. He didn't turn it over. He got us in the right plays. He did miss a few throws, but like at the end of the day, he did. He got us right two. T- he got us in scoring position, and we took advantage of every scoring opportunity in some capacity. I don't think he uh, lost the job by any means, but right. I don't think he won it either. No, I agree um, with you. I, I think, and he, you know me, I'm kind of been on the team, Cade McNamara, this off season. Of you know, if he performs well, it should be his job after what he did last year, or help lead the yep. team to their first, you know, 
very successful season in a long time. So it'll be interesting to see what JJ does this uh, upcoming game against Hawaii, though, but we'll get into that later um, and kind of see if Cade gets playing time, even with JJ starting kind of the reverse role. Um, but yeah, I thought the offense overall performed well. I didn't think there was much to dislike outside of some of the drops, uh, a little bit of a slow start, especially with the red zone efficiency. And then the third downs we mentioned three for 10 on third down. You want to see a little bit better of a performance there. Especially At least half. Against, yeah. Yeah. Especially against a team like Colorado state, but um, you know, there's going to be games where you struggle on third down and, you know, obviously went for it on fourth a couple of times. We're uh, perfect two for two on fourth down. So uh, be interesting to see and, you know, how the offense does in those categories against Hawaii, I would expect them to do better against a lesser opponent. And it'll be interesting to see how J.J. does. But, um, yeah, I thought the offense overall performed pretty well. So the defense uh, didn't – there wasn't much to complain about there. No, I was I, – I walked – I was talking talk to my wife after the game. I said, I, I'm walking away from that game way more impressed with our defense than our offensive performance. Yeah, and this isn't the Dr. Blitz era either. No, it's not. No, we it's got not. seven sacks and, you know, great performance. Now, I'm not going to, you know, run home about it. They did what they were supposed to do against a bad team. Yep. Uh, you know, seven sacks is great. It's great it happened, you know. But I'm not going to say, oh, this D-line's definitely reloaded from last year sort of thing. Let's see what they do when they get into Big Ten play, when they start playing some – you know, actual college level offensive linemen. So, <laughs> oh, know, well, I mean, Colorado State had some big boys, but they had some big boys, but they didn't look like they moved too no, well. They didn't, they they didn't, didn't. have the athleticism. Hawaii's going to be worse than Colorado State this upcoming mm-hmm. week. UConn's one of the worst teams in Division One football. So, once again, the yep. Maryland and Iowa games like that, um, that's when I'm really going to judge. But if the you know defense can keep doing this the next couple of weeks against these opponents, it's a good sign. Um, it's a foundation build. Yeah, foundation. It's giving the guys confidence on that side of the ball um, and things like that. But what was your, you know, I guess outside the seven sacks, because I guess that's probably everyone's takeaway, like great job by the defensive line or front seven. Yeah. What what's uh, what were some other takeaways you had from the defense? I, I loved I, – I was wondering how, I guess, quote-unquote vanilla we were going to be coming into this game. And we we came up with some really, really cool blitzes, some really um, just different looks. Um and what I, for me, as an offensive coach, one of the toughest things to deal with is when, or when defenses move. Like it's so easy to just come out and like if you're, you want to sit in your base defense and read it. But we were moving all over the field. We were pressing. We were bailing. We were showing blitz. We were backing out. We were rolling. Like we were doing a lot of active stuff pre-snap that I just thought was so cool to see. I so we did that somewhat against uh, with uh, McDonald, but. I felt like we were just very active talking a lot. And I think that honestly made that's why you get sacks because a quarterback thinks, right, you got this look and then it changes and we hang out the ball a little longer and we go get the quarterback. I've always liked pre snap movement on defense, um, especially on the college level, because not every quarterback is able to adjust to that. You know, in the NFL, the teams do it all the time, but you also have the best quarterbacks to yep. play the game that can adjust to those things. Millen. Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, he, he looked lost at times and obviously ending up with seven sacks. Um, yep. You know, Michigan did its job uh, mixing up their looks and, you know, confusing the offense. And, I, I mean, keep in mind, like, he got hit a lot. My man went 16 for 20. Oh, yeah, he was he efficient did not when have, he got yeah, the yeah, ball he, out. When he got the ball out. So, like, we we uh, we, we just did enough to disguise some things to get, get those sacks, get off the field. But he, 
he did complete a good amount of passes right. against and, us. And, you know, the 16 for 20. That was 137 yards. I, so I'd say like that, 137 yards. It was a lot of short passes, right. a lot of small completions. I'm not too worried about it. It's not like I'm he not was either. getting 20, 30 yards a chunk. You know, Michigan, they were giving so You know, as you take the lead, you're not going to press the whole game. You're mm-hmm. going to start giving some space. So things like that. I will whatever. say they had a couple of third down conversions that I didn't like. They, as the, the the cursed Ohio State drag routes across the, across the field. Yeah, and that always they did the same thing against us. That's a man us. killer in general, though. And um, they, they hit a couple against us, and I was yeah. like, we read that run for 20 yards. I, I wasn't too pleased. Well, and we mentioned last week uh, Horton and Stovall both had a couple solid you know catches. I think Horton ended up with six receptions for 69 yards. But in our preview last week, we mentioned the two receivers transferring over from Nevada were going to be the key pieces. And they actually had a ton of transfers. Because I, I, oh, I went back, I, I yes. didn't realize they, their team was basically. Oh yeah, their <laughs> offense especially. I saw um, when I, I went back and watched the game. I heard that I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't right. know that. But yeah, those receivers we kind of previewed as they could be the kind of the game changers or you know guys who can make a little bit of noise, and they certainly. Had some timely catches at time, but overall Michigan held them to two for eleven on third down, one for four on fourth down. Only allowed eighty-two rushing yards, one hundred thirty-seven passing yards for a grand total of two hundred nineteen yards. Uh, again, seven sacks, one interception, and only allowed fourteen first downs. That's pretty good. Can't, can't ask for any more no. in a season opener. Nope. Um, great to see. Uh, can they build off it against Hawaii? You know, maybe go for eight sacks. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's definitely possible against Hawaii the way they've played yeah. so far this year. Um, but yeah, anything else you like about what Coach Minter did, or you know what we might see moving forward into the season? Do you continue to see some of the trends we saw in this first game? Or I, I mean, for what like I. For me, the biggest thing that I really enjoyed outside of just the movement was it was a team defensive effort. So mm-hmm. like, it we didn't have the Huts go get four, you know, two right. sacks, three TFLs. Like all eleven players were getting to the football. They're the ball. Like, there seemed to be some good rotation. Yeah. At, so um, we, it, to me, we don't necessarily have that guy yet. Mm-hmm. However, I will say I'm, I'm I'll, I gotta make sure I say his name right. Where is he at? Hopefully, I can find it real mm-hmm. quick. But uh, the transfer that we got, the defensive oh, end. from uh, – yeah, from, I know what you're talking about. He, um, he showed some flashes of being a – he could be a pretty talented edge rusher for us um, if, if – if, uh, no, he keeps it up. Is it a Noma? Yeah, Noma. Yeah. Y- Yabi uh, Noma. Right? Yeah, Yabi and Noma. Yeah. yeah. 6'5", 244. Uh, he, he, had, he had a uh, a very impressive – just he just speed. Yeah, uh, so I, athletic. I'm wondering if he's going to be that third down, go get the guy. Yeah, I think that's going to be Michigan's key this year. You know, in the past, especially Hutch, you know, Hutch is athletic, but he won a lot of bull rush. Like, he's just overpowered a lot of tackles. Um, and in the past, guys like Mo Hurst, uh, Brandon yep. Graham. This year, I think it's more Michigan's de- defensive line has a lot of – like, they're strong, but they have a lot of speed to get around guys. Like, their first mm-hmm. move is what I think is most dangerous for all opposing lines. Like, they can yeah. get around guys. They're quick. They're athletic. Yeah. Mozzie Smith, um, Anomi, Morris, you know, those guys all have a nice repertoire, uh, you know, athleticism to beat guys and get to the ball fast. So yeah. it, it'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward. But, again, you know, can't ask for a better performance defensively yeah. to uh, start the year, and I'd expect it to be similar, if you know, if not, if it can be better against Hawaii. So after the game was kind of interesting, listening to the press conferences, um, you know, Jim Harbaugh came out, had a couple things to say. And I think the most interesting thing was Cade McNamara 
Um, just kind of going through how, you know, this split between him and McCarthy to start the year with McCarthy starting this upcoming week against Hawaii was just kind of, I guess, uh, not expected in his eyes. Uh, he felt he's had his best camp um, since he's been at Michigan. And uh, obviously, you know, I guess he didn't say it directly, but basically hinted at, you know, he thinks he deserves the full-time job and, you know, not not too sure why J.J.'s getting the start next week. Like, I think he understands that uh, J.J.'s going to have his role in the offense and have his packages just because he what he – he brings a different skill set than Cade does, but I, I don't think Cade feels like he's uh, deserves to lose this job. Is that kind of what you took from that those uh, statements in the press conference? Yeah, it, it definitely seemed like he was just uh, just taken by surprise. Uh, that's the that's takeaway. So I don't know if that was intentional by the coaching staff, or they just kind of kept it at wraps. If it wasn't necessarily, you know, throughout the weeks of camp, saying neither one of you have the job yet, keep fighting. I mean, I don't know if there was an unspoken. I mean, if Cade was always getting team one reps all of a sudden, and then we get to the season, he's like, mm, no, we're going to split it. I, I can I can understand Cade. JJ missed some time in training yeah, camp. Exactly. So probably so, thought he was farther ahead. Yep. Um, so I, I definitely think he uh, was a little, a little surprised. But the way that Harbaugh spun it, which is, I, I take everything. He's everything, good at spinning things. With a, with a grain of salt when it comes to coaches, they, that's what they do. They, they want to walk away everything being positive is – they're saying that they're big time competitors, that they both, you know, are rooting for each other, that they, you know, regardless of what the media says, that they're trying, that they're, they're buddies, they're, they like the competition. Um, so um, we'll, we'll Harbaugh is great at using a lot of words to get nothing across. Like he just <laughs> says a lot of words to give the, you know, press some things to write about, but he really never gives you the answer to these kind of key questions that are being asked. Um, right. It's kind of funny to listen to his press conferences at times, but yeah. Now, do you think, you know, Cade, as we talked about, didn't have his best performance. He didn't light up the score or, you know, score sheet at all. The offense struggled in the red zone a little bit. Do you think part of those struggles and knowing that he's in a quarterback competition, knowing he didn't have the best game of his career, obviously, or, you know, best start to the season, not the start of like, do you think any of that played a role in some of his comments being a little, you know, maybe upset with his performance internally? Because, you know, Players are usually their toughest critiques, right? You know, they're yeah. going to – or their toughest critics. And they're going to – you know, he's probably not you know, like, oh, man, if I had that throwback or if I had this throwback sort of thing. And maybe, you know, getting in front of all the press, he kind of felt that pressure a little bit, and, you know, inflicting with his internal stuff and uh, internal feelings of how he played and, you know, emotion. You know, players are emotional after games. No, yeah, no I, I, imagine, I mean, knowing Kate, I can see him being a perfectionist. So the fact that he missed a few throws – um, I mean, he, he was, um, what's it? Well, um, he was upset on the yeah. field, right? Oh when yeah. Missed some throws walking off the field. He was, you could tell he probably has some expletives come out of his mouth, mm-hmm. smacked his hands a little bit. So he, he, he knew he missed some throws in, the, in those type of moments. So he, I definitely think he, he was uh, not satisfied with the, with how things went and kind of that showed off in the press conference a little bit, but at the end of the day, you know, he, he was very he's positive as far as like he's he trusts the coaching staff, but I can definitely tell he's he knows he probably should have played a little better than the way things went. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens again moving forward to this week. Um, and like you said, Jim Harbaugh didn't really say anything. You know, he said Cade performed well, uh, liked liked how he played. Um, you know, couple, had a couple drops against them, but uh, you know Harbaugh is not going to say anything negative about his guys to the Absolutely. press. 
that's going to be behind closed doors when he's coaching them up, critiquing them, whatever on things they got to do. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to kind of monitor. And it, 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 it further goes to the point we kind of made um, last week, um, you know, when we talked about Cade and JJ, whoever loses his job is probably transferring out, whether it's in season or after the season, debatable. But I think you can kind of already see the hints of that, like, you know, Cade's a little upset. Cade loses his job. He's going to be more upset, and that might derail him from staying with the team, you know. And I don't blame him. Again, we talked about last week. They have both three, have three years left of eligibility. Both of them are good enough to start somewhere in the country and good enough to start at, you know, top third schools in the country. They're not going to transfer and go to some Mac dump, you know. They're going mm-hmm. to be effective quarterbacks somewhere. So, it, again, it'll be interesting yeah. to kind of monitor – but any thoughts on that? Well, the fact is, I mean, if if JJ wins this job, um, my biggest fear is with JJ. I truly think JJ will be the quarterback this season. Um, my worst fear is that he's not what we think he is. Um, he, he he does some very good things, but if we have the exact same season or a little less of success with JJ at the helm, we're gonna lose Cade, who's already a proven winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so JJ, the, the, the JJ's got to come in here, bro, in my mind, and he's got to lead us to a natty, uh, for this to make sense. Um, otherwise, if he's we get, at least get us to the playoffs to the playoff again, have an opportunity to showcase that if that doesn't happen, I think this is the wrong decision at the end of the day. And we're going to lose Cade McNamara, a guy who has busted his butt, you know, for us and got us to where he need to go. Cause here's the deal. How, how can, you, you start JJ, let's say week eight happens and JJ craps the bed and we put Cade back in Cade. I mean that we, he, how can you expect a kid to be like, I'm your second choice. I'm here. Right. Like, you know, like, and come back. He's probably going to do his thing, but oh. there's going to be like a jaded probably. I say if he's still on the team, I don't think he leaves early, right. but. And assuming he doesn't, he's still on the team. You know, he's going to come in and, you know, ball out for himself at that point. What, you know, he might still be upset with the coaching staff. But well, it's just it is his tape. Yeah. Right. You gotta look at yourself and say, okay, I'm pissed. I'm not their first choice. I have to play because you know, maybe JJ sucked or he got hurt. Yeah. But and I'm transferring no matter what at the end of the season. But if I ball out these next six games and get us to the Big Ten championship again or get us to the playoff, that only betters me for where I'm gonna transfer to next year or who's gonna be interested in these sort of things. So yeah, he does that it is on his own. Right. So I don't think I'm not too worried if that situation occurs. I'd be more worried for the the following season where we know Cade's gone. Okay, JJ's got to be better now. Um, but hopefully that's not the situation. Uh, again, I still kind of tend to think Cade's going to win the job, but I don't know. And I always look at it as, you know, Michigan is Michigan. They're going to get good recruits. You know, if JJ goes, he goes. Michigan's going to get another top quarterback recruit at some point in the next year or two. They always seem to get one in every couple of years because Jim Harbaugh is known as a quarterback guy. He's really proven it with Cade, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, he's proven it with guys like Luck, uh, Jake Rudock. He turned into a pretty decent quarterback. Um, you know, we went through a rough patch there with O'Corn and Spade. And, you know, Spade actually played well for one season, uh, kind of fell apart. Injuries kind of derailed his, uh, you know, continuing career. But – 
it's such a tough decision. Again, you know, we talked about it. I don't envy what Harbaugh's got to decide yeah. moving forward, and it'll be interesting to see, and we can talk about it, you know, more when we talk about the Hawaii matchup, but I really don't know how they can really, after Colorado State and now Hawaii, they can go into week three saying, oh, yeah, this guy definitely won the job because they're just not opponents where, like, either guy could light them up. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing to really yeah. separate – in my opinion. So, you know, Cade might go again. He or JJ is much more capable of lighting up the stat sheet, unlike Cade. But I'm assuming that, you know, the coaches aren't looking just at the stat sheet. They're looking at the tape, what they want the offense to do under each quarterback. And, you know, they're going to make a decision from there. So, oh, for sure. I mean, you can't base all quarterback playoff stats and those type of things. I, at the end of the day, like we talked about, by default, JJ is going to have better rushing stats every single game. Is that important enough for the, for the team? We'll find out. But I, I, for, from a bigger picture step, I do wonder what type of situation we're going to go into against Hawaii because, like, are we going to? Because we can ground and pound this team. Mm-hmm. We, I, to me, you said it last week. I think Chad that you think the staff wants. You think the staff wants JJ. You think the fan base wants JJ. So is there going to be a – are we going to see 35, 40 pass attempts from J.J. McCarthy just to kind of prove that or to kind of see let him take the reins off a little bit? Or are we going to have a more of a 15 to 18 completion game kind of like Cade and run the ball like we did? Well, it will be interesting to that's see. That's the interesting part because I mentioned it, I don't know if it was last week or a couple episodes ago, but to me J.J. isn't even the prototypical Harbaugh quarterback because he has the ability to pass it 40 times a game. Where right. Jim Harbaugh never wants to pass it 40 times a game. It's great to have a quarterback that can do that if you need to, but it's just not something Harbaugh is ever going to want to do unless he has to do it. Um, so, yeah, I do think Cade, you know, fits Harbaugh's mentality more. I'm not saying Harbaugh can't adjust and, you know, the better player, obviously. That's not that's not a reason to go with Cade because Cade just fits what Harbaugh wants to do better. You go with the best player and you adapt to those players, yeah. right? Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see our – you know, Jim Harbaugh, we know he's not afraid to run up scores and light up, uh, light up the you know scoreboard. <laughs> so if they let Hart or JJ pass 30, 40 times, I won't be surprised if they put 70 points on Hawaii. I mean, oh, Vanderbilt beat them 68-10 to 10 or something, and they, Western Kentucky beat them 49-17. to 17. Uh, Hawaii did have a week zero game. That's why they're 0-2 right now. Um, but, yeah, I, I – Whatever they want to do, I don't they think there's going to see much resistance. And I wouldn't be surprised because Michigan knows they can run the ball. They're going to run the ball effectively against most opponents, if yep. not all opponents. See what the passing game can do, tacking downfield, you know, intermediate, yeah. short, whatever. But I do expect the passing game to be more effective and you know, a little more aggressive than it was last week against Colorado State. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I, I, I don't know why we didn't, like I said, looking back on the Colorado State game, why we didn't let that ball fly a few times. Don't need to do it five, six, seven times, but take a shot here and there, just loosen up the defense. If you had the matchup, let it go, and we didn't. So it'll be interesting to see if they – it's not because Kate can't. We've seen Kate do it off off the you know the play-action bombs we did last year and the double, you know, the flea flickers, whatever, just any time we took a shot, um, what type of – how different our scheme will be with JJ at the helm from me. I expect JJ to at least go nuts in the run game. I bet he'll have over 100 yards rushing. Just oh no doubt, he's not afraid to tuck and yeah. run. If his reads did you know there. he was a hockey guy? I didn't know he was a hockey. I guy. had no idea he was a hockey. Yeah, guy. He's, a, he's, he's a hockey background, so that's why the dude doesn't slide because he just likes to take hits. He's very. And he's learned how to slide. <laughs> well, you know, 
honestly, it makes me feel a little better that he knows how to take hits, at least being a hockey player, because, you know, he almost reminds me of Dylan McCaffrey. Just yeah. Kind of a slender frame. And I'm like, oh, man, I really don't want him to get, you know, hurt. Yeah. Uh, things like that. But I guess, you know, he's been toughened up with hockey. I mean, <laughs> hockey's, you know, that's, you're getting hit all the time. So, right. hey, I didn't know that. That's, uh, that's actually pretty cool. So, but yeah, this quarterback controversy, competition, whatever you want to call it, um, it's it's probably the most entertaining aspect of this team right now during oh, these absolutely. three preseason games, if you want to call it, just being <laughs> uh, low division one opponents. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, move, moving into week two against Hawaii. All right, so the AP poll was released, the uh, update after week one, and uh, I think to uh, quite a few people's surprise, Michigan actually moved up four spots uh, from eight to number four. Uh you know, not surprising they passed number seven, or who was number – Utah was number seven, Notre Dame was number five. Both of those teams lost their games. Uh, Notre Dame lost to Hawaii, uh, Ohio State 21-10, to 10, and Utah lost 29-26 to 26 to Florida. Yeah. Um, a little bit of an upset there. Um, but regardless, I figured – most people figured Michigan would jump both of those guys, but what many people didn't expect too much was Michigan to hop Texas A&M and Clemson, who both won their games, both won them handily, maybe showed some signs like, or, you know, wasn't the cleanest football games, but I could argue the same for Michigan. You know, as you said, week one, there's always a ton to clean up. Yep. Um, but kind of walk us through your thoughts, Jordan. Were you surprised they went from eight to four so quickly after playing, you know, it's not like they beat anyone worth mentioning, right? No, I, I'm with you, Chad. I'm a little surprised as well. Um, I I definitely thought at least we were going to be six just based on how things went, but um, Clemson didn't look very good. They struggled with Georgia tech for the first half, for the first half. Their offense was pretty bad. Defense played great. Texas A&M beat um, Sam Morgan, only 31, nothing, which with the amount of talent they're supposed to have, you you should think it should have been like Alabama won 55, nothing against Utah state, Ohio state, you know, I mean, obviously Notre Dame, we were going to jump because they lost to Ohio state. But to me, we're get, we we got the four. I'm not complaining. I think we're going to be there all year until we go to Columbus. I don't think either one of these top three teams loses a game before we we get there. Um, and then it's you know figuring it out from there. But yeah, and you know I'll say this. Um, you know as I've said before, the AP poll is kind of irrelevant because the playoff poll or the playoff rankings can differ. They right. differed last year from the AP poll, so. I actually like the playoff rankings in terms of I've always been a big believer that, you know, rankings shouldn't come out till week five or six anyway, kind of let teams shuffle out, see who's good, who's not. Cause you know, how many times you see a team starts number 12 and then in three weeks they're unranked cause they're one and two and they haven't done anything people expect them to. So that's kind of always been my stance. Of course the rankings are fun and it's part of what's fun about college. Like, Oh, my team's number eight. Let's see how they go up or down, whatever. Yeah. But here's my thing. I think I think the big jump, and this is my theory, um, hopping Texas A&M and Clemson was a sign of respect from being a playoff team last year. Um, you know, they started us lower because our defense, very unknown. Yep. I'd still argue it is unknown. You beat up on Colorado State, what they do. But defense was dominant, showed enough where, you know, they had seven sacks. The running game for Colorado State struggled. Um, you know, you intercept, you, you show, you showed the ability to get a turnover, a couple turnovers, right? A couple turnovers. You're right. And, um, 
you know, third down efficiency was great on defense, two for 11, uh, we mentioned earlier. Um, and, you know, I think it's a sign of respect from the, you know, AP poll or, you know, whoever puts the poll together that, you know, hey, Michigan showed what we were worried about and why we started them at eight to start the year, you know, and we're going to put them back up in a technical playoff spot. Now the AP poll determines who the, who's in the playoffs, but, you know, they're relatively close. And, you know, I think that's why Michigan's sitting up there is a sign of respect that, hey, they at least for now have shown us that, you know, they played well enough and they kind of shored up any questions people may have had. And, you know, let's say Clemson goes up and goes out and lights up the next three weeks. I say it's very, po- it's very you possible can see we get teams to, flip. Exactly. Right. We, we very well can fluctuate between four and seven this year. And, I mean, but, look at the points. Michigan's yeah. at 12 or uh, 1,299. Clemson's set, or 19 points behind them at uh, 1,280. So, you know, depending on how you beat opponents, how right. you look in a game, there's going to be a lot of flip, uh, flipping around. Level of opponent can matter. Now you're playing Furman in Hawaii. Uh, Clemson's <laughs> playing Furman. Michigan's playing Hawaii. So probably not much of a difference there. You know, if Texas A&M goes out and blows out Appalachian State, do they have Clemson if Clemson looks bad again? So those are like the small things. Again, it doesn't matter. It's week one. You know, absolutely. Matters more as you go one game at a time. I don't care what the freaking AP poll says. Right, and I agree, but because it's a talking point, that's (laughs) my theory on why I think is a little sign of respect. Like, hey, Michigan did it last year. They kind of proved that their defense, at least for now, looks like they have the ability to at least be a solid unit. um, Just as that was the concern for many going into the year. So, Um, yeah. So I don't. I agree with you. I think Michigan will be up here most of the year. especially getting to that Columbus game. Obviously, Michigan State uh, will be a true test, and it'll be interesting to see how far Michigan State gets up the pole before prior to that game. You know, do we have another top 10 top matchup? 10 matchup? Um, you know, Michigan State went up one in the rankings to 14 after beating uh, Western Michigan 35-13. to 13. And um, But, yeah, it's good for the Big Ten. Ohio State's number three. So, you know, if it stays as is, getting all the way to the end of the year, Number three versus number four would be a hell of a marketing tool. Uh, yeah, always. Just a hype game. So, uh, but yeah, it'll be fun to kind of monitor. But, yeah, you, I could expect Michigan to stay up in the top five, uh, at least at least for the foreseeable future. They shouldn't move anywhere in the next month anyway. No, for sure. So, uh, but, yeah, uh, Michigan's number four, and uh, that's, that's, that's where we're at for uh, week one. We'll see how uh, changes come for week two. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Remember, you can follow us on Spotify or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts by searching the Victors Dash and Michigan Podcast. Uh, you can also subscribe to Between the Whistles of Detroit on YouTube to catch our podcast as well as the rest of your Detroit sports needs. Thanks for tuning in and uh, catch us next week as uh, when we break down Michigan's Week 2 matchup against Hawaii. We'll go more in-depth into that. And uh, go Blue! Go Blue!